0: that's it that was your cue what was my cue that right there you're supposed to say masterpiece audio theater presents masterpiece audio theater presents that's right then you say myths from around the world myths from around the world Okay, and a stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast A stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast? Well, where are we? How are we going to get home? I'm going to get scared Everything will be all right, trust me Oh, and this is our submission for the Dog Days of Podcasting 2022 Hello and welcome to Masterpiece Audio Theatre. This is DDoP 2022 episode number one. And uh, if you can't tell, my voice is a little ratchet. Why is it ratchet, you may ask? Well, uh, I have, uh, I decided to record one of the pieces that I'm going to be doing this month ahead of time, uh, because it was very long, and I'm going to be gone for periods of time in the month of August, so I wanted to have content ready to go, but unfortunately it has left me sounding like this. And uh, when you sound like this, there's only certain voices that work Other voices, they just don't happen Like Little Billy Little Billy right now sounds like he's going through a Vox thing That's that's how it goes in my head So we're not doing Little Billy (laughs) But the problem is, is I had a whole script Leading into the first piece for this Dog Days That I was going to read And I've tried And guess what? It doesn't work. (laughs) Uh, So uh, (laughs) I will read it to you now. I will do the best that I can. Um, But because of said voice impact, they're not going to be good. (laughs) But the story that I read, I did this one at the beginning. I did actually seven of these at the beginning to get a bit of a warm up. And uh, anyway, they sound they're not bad. (laughs) Why not? This is the first episode of the dog days. Why can't we be different? All right. Um, so the intro, the way this goes, (laughs) something like this. That's it. What do you mean? That's it. That's what it is. How can we be out? Sorry, see, I can't even read my own script. How can we be out of gas? We stopped at the gas station for the shrimp. I cannot help it if I have this tiny bladder. Come to think of it, we didn't fill up then, did we? We had a colder tank when we stopped. Didn't need gas then. Remind me again why he was chosen to drive the bus? He has the cleanest record out of the group. So, therefore, the cheapest insurance. There you go again. Being so tight with money, we all suffer. Hmm. Following a budget, Hieronimo. Budget it. We had exactly 72 hours to get back to Skinner Tower before the zombie feeding time. This is a disaster. This is a catastrophe. Feeding time? Yes, that's how we preserve the mailroom staff. We feed them. And if no one's there to feed them, well, eh, the consequences could be dire. What are they going to do other than rot? They could go into a hunger frenzy and break out of the mailroom. And? I need all the staff. You mean us, the ones on the side of the road? Yes, well, and the execs, of course. Do they collect their own mail? no, I do that. Right. And you're the building sec- and your building security system has foolproof. Yes, it's state of the art. It can't be beat. So really no one's in danger other than the deceased. They're already infected with the zombie virus. Well, yeah, you kind of got a point there. Well, sitting on the side of the road won't do us any good. We haven't seen another vehicle for hours, and it's getting dark. Let's get some kind of shelter going, and maybe a fire? Oh, rawr, I rawr, can't wait to go camping. Enter fire noises and water noises. I say, where did the ocean come from? I found it laying around. Now we have fire. What else we do? Well, since we're not going to make it back to the studio in time, perhaps we can all share our contributions this year for the Dog Days of Podcasting. Oh, boy, I can't wait to share mine. I left mine back on the, um, on the bus. Ah, there will be plenty of time for you to go and get it. I have a feeling that we'll be here for a while. Why do you say that? Oh, just the feeling I'm getting from this narrative. Huh, collective? Never mind. I think I will start. That way you can see how it's all done. Uh, My first tale is of a sailor named Sinbad, and these stories have been put together by Edmund Dulac. This was Sinbad's first voyage. In the time of Harun al-Rashid, there was, in Baghdad, a rich merchant named Sinbad the Sailor, the source of whose wealth was a mystery. It seemed to be inexhaustible. For long seasons he kept open house, and his entertainments were the most magnificent of all, save for only those of al-Rashid himself. All that riches could buy seemed at his disposal, and he lavished the good things of his life upon his guests. Pages, slaves and attendants, there were in great number. His garden was spacious and beautiful, and his house was filled with every costly luxury. This Sinbad the sailor has a story to tell, the story of his life, but he never told it to any until one day there came to him one Sinbad the landsman, a man of poor and humble birth. This man pleased him greatly, with an apt recitation dealing with the widely different lots dispensed by God to men. And, being pleased, he was struck with the happy conceit that, now Sinbad the sailor, was at last confronted with Sinbad the landsman. It would be no bad thing were he to narrate the story of his life so that all might know his strange adventures and conjecture no longer as to the source of his fabulous wealth. Accordingly, Sinbad the sailor held seven receptions on seven different days and, although on each occasion a multitude of guests was assembled to listen, he failed not to address his words from first to last to his simple listener, Sinbad the landsman. Following is his narration of the strange and wonderful adventures he experienced in his seven voyages. The first voyage of Sinbad the Sailor. My father was a merchant of high rank and rich possessions. He died when I was but a child, leaving me all his wealth. When I reached manhood's estate, I used my inheritance with no thought for the morrow, living in a sumptuous manner and consorting with the richest young men of Baghdad. I continued this life for many years until, at last, when reason prevailed with me to mend my plan, I found with dismay that I had sunk to poverty. And then it was that I arose and sold what goods remained to me for three thousand pieces of silver, and girded myself, resolving to travel to other lands and rebuild my fortune by the wit of my mind and the labour of my hands. With part of my hoard I bought merchandise for the exchange in far lands and also such things I should require in my travels. Thus prepared, I set sail with a company of merchants in a ship bound for the city of El-Basra. For many days and nights we sailed upon the sea, visiting islands and passing thence on to other islands. And everywhere we bartered, and bought, and sold. At length we came to an island unlike the others. It seemed like a garden that had floated off from the skies of paradise and established itself in the sea. And here our ship cast anchor and we landed. The fires were lighted and, while some cooked, others washed in the cool stream, and yet others amused themselves, admiring the beauties of the place. When all had eaten of the food prepared, the shore became a grey scene of sport and play, in which I engaged to the full. But suddenly, a cry from the mast of the ship put an end to our gaiety. Standing at the side of the vessel, he called loudly, Hear me, and may God preserve you. Hasten back and leave everything. Save yourselves from sudden death. For this that ye think is an island is not such. It is a mighty fish lying entranced in sleep on the surface of the sea since times of old and trees have grown upon it, but your fires and your frolicking have awakened it, and lo, it moves, and if it sink into the sea, ye will be assuredly drowned. Hasten then, and save yourselves. At this we all, with one accord, left everything and fled for the ship, hoping to escape with our lives. While we were making for safety, the island moved with great turmoil, and sank behind us in the sea, and the waves leapt against each other above it. For a time I gave myself up for lost, for I was drawn down fathoms deep, but... By God's grace, I arose again to the surface, and to my hand was one of the large wooden bowls which some of our passengers had taken on ashore for the purpose of washing. This I seized, and established myself in it, and thus combated the leaping waves, steadying myself with my hands and feet. In vain I called on the master of the ship. He heard me not. He had spread his sails and pursued his way, thinking that none besides those that had been taken up were left alive. Astride my wooden bowl, I gazed longingly at the ship until it was out of sight. Then I prepared for death, as the night was closing around me. Perchance I swooned, for I remember naught else until I found myself stranded upon a mountainous island. There were trees overhanging, and I grasped a drooping bough and drew myself up from the fretting wave. My limbs were benumbed, and, looking at my legs, I saw the marks made by the nibbling teeth of fish, and marvelled at my salvation from death. Staggering forward, I flung myself high on the beach, like one dead, and so I remained until the dawn of the next day, when the sun, rising upon me, woke me to a sense of such a condition as I had never known before. Long, long it was before I could arise to a sitting posture, and longer still before I could crawl on my hands and knees to a space of grass that was shielded from the sun. Thence in time I staggered till I came to a brook, of which I drank, and strength returned to me. I found luscious fruits and ate of them and drank again of the clear waters of the brook, and so I continued, many days roaming the island and wondering at its beauties until I was strong again as before, and it chanced as I took my way to and fro in the island, revealing in the sight of things that God had set there that, on a day when the sea was sounding loudly on the shore, I beheld something in the distance which excited my curiosity. It seemed like a wild animal of gigantic size, and, as I approached, I feared it was some fabulous beast of the sea. But, as I drew still nearer, I was overcome with amazement to see a beautiful mare standing high, with mane and tail floating on the breeze. She was tethered to a stake on the shore, and, at the sight of me, she screamed loudly and stamped her forefeet on the sand. But ere I turned to flee, I beheld a man come forth from a cave nearby, and he ran after me, calling me to give an account of myself and my presence in that place. Thereupon I laid my story before him, sparing no detail, even to the wooden bowl, by means of which, and the grace of God, I had come thither gladness seized him at my recital, and he took my hand, saying, Come with me. He led me into his cave and set food before me, and I ate until I was satisfied, and, being at my ease, I repeated my story more minutely, and he wondered thereat. Then I said, Thou hast the truth of my adventures upon the sea. Now I pray thee, O my master, tell me who thou art, that thou dwellest hidden in a cave, while thy mare is tethered on the shore. He was in no way displeased at my curiosity, but answered me in plain words. I am one of the grooms of the king of El-Miharaj, he said, and the others are scattered about the island, for, look you, friend in this time of the new moon, when the seahorse cometh up of the sea, and it is our plan to bring our best mares hither and thither them by the shore so that they may lure the seahorses into our hands. While I was wondering at the manner of this cunning device, a magnificent seahorse rose from the waves, shaking the foam from its crest and neighing loudly. As it approached, my companion drew me into the cave, and placed himself at the opening, with a long coil of thick cord in his hand. Presently, by means of this, he leashed the seahorse with great dexterity, and fettered him and subdued him. Then, with the mare and the seahorse, he led me to his companions, who, when they had heard my story, were all of one mind that I should accompany them to the city of the king. So they mounted me on one of the mares, and I rode with them to the king's palace. As soon as we had arrived at the palace gates, they went in to the king and informed him of my strange adventure, whereupon he sent for me, and they led me before him. He greeted me very courteously, and bade me tell him my story, which, when he had heard it, filled him with amazement, so that he cried, By Allah, my son of a truth, thou art favoured by fate! For how else couldst thou escape so great a peril? Praise God for thy deliverance! And he made much of me, and caused me to be treated with honour, and he appointed me master of the harbour and comptroller of the shipping. My condition then was no longer that of a wayfarer. I rose day by day to a higher and higher place in the King's favour, and he took me into his council in all affairs of state. For a long time I served him well, and he ceased not to recompense me with a liberal hand. Yet my thoughts turned ever to Baghdad, the abode of peace, but when I acquired of merchants and travellers and masts of ships, in which direction it lay, and how one might come to it, they one and all shook their heads at the name of a strange city of which they had never heard. At last. Weary of the wonders of the island and the sea around it, wonders the which, if I had time to tell you, would cause you the greatest amazement. Weary, too, with my arduous duties, but most of all with my prolonged absence from my own land. I stood one day on the seashore when a great ship drew near and a number of merchants landed from it. The sailors brought forth their merchandise, and, when I had made an account of it, I inquired of the master of the ship, if that were the whole of his cargo. All, O my master, he replied, all save some bales whose owner drowned on our voyage hither, but even these, being in my charge, I desire to sell on behalf of his family in Baghdad. Sayest thou so, I cried, tell me, I pray thee, the name of the owner of these goods, And he replied, His name was Sinbad the Sailor, and he was drowned on our way hither. When I heard this, I regarded him more closely and recognized him. Then I cried out, O my master, I am he, and they are my goods that are in thy hole. But he neither recognized me nor believed my words, whereupon I narrated to him the history of my supposed death. But he shook his head and called upon Allah to witness that there were neither faith nor conscience in any. "'Look you,' he said, "'thou heardest me say the owner was dead, "'and therefore thou desirest the goods for thyself free of price. "'I tell thee we saw him sink to the bottom of the sea with many others. O my master,' I answered, "'hear me and then judge my veracity.' With this I narrated to him many trivial things which happened before we reached the great fish island, and which could never be known to me had I not been on the ship. And then it was that he and many of the merchants regarded me with fixed looks and recognized me. By Allah, said they one and all, we truly believe thee drowned, but here we find thee alive. And they pressed upon me and congratulated me, and the master of the ship gave me my goods at sight of which I was overjoyed, and they all rejoiced with me. Mindful of the king I served, I at once opened my bales, and selecting the most costly articles, went into him and laid them at his feet, telling him how I had regained the goods of which they were a part. And the king wondered greatly at my good fortune, and graciously accepted my gifts. He also showed me great favour and honour in which he bestowed upon me gifts in return for mine. Then, having sold my remaining goods at a profit, I bought largely of the merchandise of the city, and when the ship was about to sail, I approached the king and thanked him for his great kindness to me, and humbly begged his leave to depart with my own city and family. So he gave me his blessing, and a great wealth of merchandise and rare commodities, and bade me farewell. And soon thereafter, having stowed all my goods in the hold of the ship, I set sail with the others for Baghdad. Our voyage was fortunate, and, with the aid of favourable winds, we reached the city of el Bashra in safety. Thence I repaired to Baghdad, and my family and my friends gave me a joyous welcome. And when I had sold my merchandise, I set up a large establishment, sparing no cost. And I bought land and houses, and gathered round me wealthy companions, in whose society I soon forgot the dangers and terrors that I had suffered in other lands. Such is the story of my first voyage, and tomorrow, by God's grace, I will narrate to you the strange adventures of my second voyage. there you have it that's what i was going to say how i was going to do it but unfortunately it's just not going to happen with this current uh ratchetness of the voice so we'll see if it comes back tomorrow uh this is the only voice work i'm going to do today uh just simply based on what i did yesterday um yeah anyway happy dog days of podcasting 2022 glad to be back in the booth and uh here goes our story Actually, I'm going to cut that and tag it on the end. You have been listening to MPAT Studios' presentation of The Myths from Around the World, a special Dog Days of Podcasting contribution. Sound clips are from GarageBand and can be found in their samples library. The stories that we have shared can be found at gutenberg.org. We can be found on Facebook on the Masterpiece Audio Theatre page, on nimlas.org, or you can email us at Jjglangjans.com. at jglangjans.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 Unported License. Thanks for joining us.